All right. Well, we're grateful to be here, as I said, and uh, we will uh, look forward to digging into the Word here just briefly and preach a brief message today. And uh, would help to have a Bible. Perfect. As we uh, think about our lives, I've been praying a lot about this opportunity. What a blessing to be here and see uh, the church filled and growing. And uh, one of the things that we experience as we uh, connect with people around the country is um, every year is, uh, are we doing better this year than we were doing last year? And we meet with families and different people and young people. We keep in touch with a lot of people on Facebook. And uh, so it's important for us to see that we're growing in the Lord and we're doing better this year than we were last year. And that encourages us. And it always saddens us when we see people that are, you know, having challenges or going down the wrong road, intentionally making some wrong choices and going down the wrong road. Hey, let's make sure we shut our speakers, uh, turn our sound system down. Okay, got it, good. Um, But uh, we go through times in our lives when we really don't understand what God is doing in our lives. And I kind of want to address that this morning as we kind of look at Bartimaeus. Um, and uh, there's times in our lives when, when things seem dark. And, you know, we all understand about God. We, we understand that there's a God who's out there. And sometimes we think God is, like, up there in the sky, right? And we're like, we're down here. And we have this, like, gap between us and God. And not long ago, one of my adult children came to me well, a, little, a little while back and said, you know, Dad, I understand that God loves me. And I've seen that my whole life. I've been taught that. I understand that. But sometimes I don't feel like God loves me. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel? Do you ever have a hard time feeling that God loves you? It's a very interesting question. And it raises really an issue. And someone has said the greatest distance between heaven and hell is 18 inches. Right? You've heard that before. It's the distance between your heart and your head. Because we can know a lot about God, right, without really knowing him. We can know a lot of Christian truth without really knowing God. Sat in the dentist last week, and I met a guy across the chair in the waiting room who was a missionary for the Jehovah's Witnesses. And told me about his life and his travels, and he's on his way to Ecuador, coming from one field, going to another, and zealous for the things of the kingdom. And I was visiting when I was, what's your background? He said, well, I was raised a Baptist. And I thought, 18 inches, 18 inches, right? And how many people are growing up in our churches, and how many of us have this disconnect? And I want to kind of address that a little bit this morning As we turn to, uh, I'm going to open in Luke, and uh, we're going to spend most of our time in Mark here, just briefly. I'm not going to preach too long, but I just want to share some things. In Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to read verses 31 through the end of the chapter. And it says this, and he took the 12 aside, I'm reading in Luke chapter 18 from the New American Standard, verse 31 through the end. And he took the 12 aside, and he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which were written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. He will be delivered to the Gentiles. He will be mocked, mistreated, and spit upon. And after that, they will have scourged him. They will kill him. On the third day, 
he will rise again. And they themselves, listen now, they themselves understood none of these things. And this saying was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend the things that were said. Isn't that amazing? I mean, doesn't that just amaze you? They walked with Jesus for three years. They saw him healed, all this, and he tells them plainly and exactly what was going to happen, and yet there was a huge disconnect. Anybody ever have a big disconnect in your life? And so we go through times where we're wondering, like, Lord, what are you doing? And we don't get it. We don't connect with what God is doing sometimes in our lives. And uh, like Bartimaeus, we're, we're kind of blind, aren't we? We're blind to what God is doing in our lives. We're blind maybe to his will in this situation. We're maybe blind to his purpose in this particular trial that we're going through. And like Bartimaeus, we need to have our eyes open, don't we? I wonder if there's someone here that's going through something like that in their life today. I wonder if there's someone here who might say, Lord, I need a breakthrough. I need you to break into my world and help me see some things that I really need to see. I wonder if there's someone here that might be wrestling with those kinds of things in their lives. When I was in the military, I was stationed up in Fort Lewis, Washington, and uh, I just love that part of the country. It's beautiful. love to go there. And uh, one of the most beautiful parts of going there is seeing Mount Rainier. I love Mount Rainier. It's just, it's huge and it's looming and it's above the clouds and the clouds swirl around it and it adorns it with such beauty as the, the sun comes upon it and it's just beautiful and it's breathtaking. And for five or six years, we come through here in the spring and we go up there to Washington and the entire time we're there, we don't get to see Mount Rainier <laughs> because the clouds are covering But a few years, and every once in a while, the clouds will break out, and that mountain peak just comes up, and the sun is just shining on it. Sometimes there's there's, volcanic kind of clouds that are over it, and it's such a delight. It's such a wonder. It's such a beauty of God's creation, and and one year, we actually went there and and, kind of walked around a little bit, but I wonder if that might be like our lives. If we might pray, if we might say, God, if you could just peel back the clouds, If you could just open our eyes to help us see what's going on in our lives right now. So excited to be in Sunday school and see us studying about the revelation and the things at the end and realizing really that we are living in those days. If we only knew, if we only really had our eyes unveiled to how short our time really is. So um, anyhow, a couple verses I want to just call your attention to is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just by kind of by way of introduction as well, Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I want to turn there and read it. And uh, as uh, the brother said in Sunday school this morning, turn on your Bibles or open your Bibles. I'm not a big fan of turn on your Bible. I'm I'm, I'm old school. I'm a techno geek. But uh, something about the written page, and I hope you have one of these paper copies and bring it to church with you and write in it. And your eyes see the page and you connect in a unique way that I think we don't really understand electronically how that's happening. But... um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm stuck in Romans here, sorry about that, I meant to mark these pages, Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, I did say 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, this passage very often uh, intrigued me, it says this, and you're, you're familiar with this, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, which have not entered into the heart of man, 
all that God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. Amazing. In our darkness, and our lack of understanding, and our disconnect, and what we're going through, God has things for you and for me that we don't even understand. Things that will be unveiled later. And we, here's what we need to do. We need to cry out and say, God, open our eyes and show us and teach us. Notice what it goes on to say in verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. People are deep, aren't they? We are a deep mix of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And there's so much going on inside of us. We don't even know our own hearts, do we? We think we know our own hearts, but we really don't. But you know what? God does. God knows your heart. We don't know our future, but God does. And what do we need to do? We need to pray, God, show me. Open my eyes. It needs to become a cry of our hearts. Lord, show us. And that's what it goes on to say in verse 12 here. It says, now we have received not the things of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. God's will is not for us to walk in darkness. His will is not for us to live in a state of disconnect. Yes, we have times where we can't see what God is doing because of the clouds. But you know what? God wants us to know the things that are freely given to us by God, the things he's doing in our lives, the things he's showing us. You know, I wish we had an hour to kind of unfold this and work this, even in our own lives, in our own ministries. God's doing some very different things some very unique things in our lives. And it's a whole new program that God is kind of working in our spirits. So we have this blindness, and we have a choice. What's going to break through that blindness is your prayer, your cry to God to say, God, show me. God, open my eyes. And as we turn to Bartimaeus, this passage in Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, it comes right on the heels of this saying that we just read in Luke where the Lord told the disciples all this stuff, and then they didn't get it. The story of Bartimaeus is three times in the scriptures in each of the synoptic gospels. And uh, it follows chronologically. Jesus is in this last phase of his life and he's on his way to Jerusalem. His time is limited here on earth and here he meets Bartimaeus. And it's just such a stark picture of the disciples who are spiritually blind and Bartimaeus who's physically blind. And one of the cool things that God does for us is he doesn't stay in Colossians chapter 2. Okay, <laughs> And Colossians chapter 2 is a theological passage that tells us about the kenosis of Christ and how he left his glory. And we relate to God theologically. But you know, you know what Jesus does? He becomes a person. He steps down in flesh and he walks with us. And he lives with us. And that's one of the cool things about the gospel, about you know, the things, John said, the things which we have seen with our hands, which we have handled, which we have, you know, we haven't followed cleverly devised tales. We're telling you what we've seen and heard. And as we look at Jesus stepping into the life of Bartimaeus in his very last week of life on earth, we see something about the Son of Man opening the eyes of this blind man and his desire to open our eyes and to open the eyes of the disciples. And it's very exciting. Let's all stand together. and We're going to read 46 through the end of the chapter of Mark chapter 10. 
And they came to Jericho, and as he was, get, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when I heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and he began following him on the road. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gaze into your word. And we invite your spirit to do here in this place what I cannot, what we cannot, and that is to speak to us, to arouse our senses, to hear the voice of your spirit to peel away the blindness in our eyes and show us those things that you have freely given to us in your spirit, Lord, to the blessing of each person here, each family, each soul, each marriage, and to the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Just going to look at a few things in this passage here. And um, first thing we want to see is, um, as they were going along the road to Jericho, they came to the blind man. It was a great multitude following Jesus. It was at the pinnacle of his ministry. This was, of course, you know, just coming up to the triumphal entry, the last week of Jesus' life. And it says there was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. I was down in Mexico this week. I saw several blind people. I was particularly watching one lady, and she had the cane, and she was walking along. And I imagine what it would be like to be blind. And she was moving that cane back and forth across the ground as though with her finger she was feeling the ground every inch. And, of course, in Mexico, it's even worse. Could you imagine being blind? I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. But all the uneven surfaces, and, I mean, we don't have OSHA. I mean, I was a building contractor for years. You know, all the stairs, they have to be within a quarter of an inch of each other, you know. And I'm walking along over there doing the tourist thing, you know, kind of walking around like this. And all of a sudden, I look down, and there's a manhole cover open. I kid you not. You know, there's only like an 18-inch hole in there. But, I mean, an 18-inch hole, I mean, that's bad enough for me. And I'm thinking about this blind person, you know. Blindness. It's a picture of... Of weakness, isn't it? It's a picture of infirmity. Every one of us has weakness in our lives. Every one of us has an infirmity in our lives. Something that we have to deal with, a cross that we have to bear, if you will. Something that's difficult, that we live with. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's an abuse. Maybe it's a failure. I don't know what it is, but we have an infirmity. We have a weakness. We have an issue that we have to deal with. It's a limitation. I grew up with an alcoholic father. All of us have issues that we have to deal with, limitations and weaknesses. And here's a principle I want to give you, is that God wants to work through your limitations and your weaknesses. We need to embrace that. We need to learn to allow God to work and our weaknesses, and our limitations. He was blind and he was a beggar. There's a lot of beggars over there. 
Spent like five days in Mexico last week. A lot of panhandlers. They're not pretty people, are they? They're unkept. Maybe they smell. They're uncared for. But it's interesting because the Gospel of Mark says his name was Bartimaeus. None of the other Gospels give him a name. But here he's named Bartimaeus. Mark is not known for naming the characters in his stories. He's kind of painting the broad brushstroke. But you know, it's kind of interesting. Luke, who's meticulously detailed, does not name Bartimaeus. But Mark names him. And here we are 2,000 years later. And we're remembering, and we know the name of Bartimaeus like a household name. Now, it's interesting that there are no nameless people. Every weakness, every limitation, every moral failure, every challenge God knows all about. And he wants to work in your life, and he wants to work in my life. And that's further indicated by the fact that it says this, he was the son of Timaeus. His life exists in a context You know, we see these nameless, faceless people out there, don't we? And we've become so callous to all the people around us, whether it's their news feed or what they ate for lunch on Facebook, right? And we've gone into shutdown mode because we're overstimulated by the stuff that we see. But you know what? Every person around us is a real person who has real issues in their lives. And they are someone's mother, someone's brother, someone's father, someone's cousin, someone's uncle, and they need to be loved. And they need to have their issues addressed. And Jesus stopped in the last week of his life and ministered to this man whose society was casting away and throwing away. So he was the son of Timaeus. And notice also that he was sitting by the road. He sat in Jericho day after day, sitting by the road. And then he says this, and he heard that Jesus was going by. As he was sitting by the road, something unique began to happen. He sat there day after day after day. But on this day, something unique was happening, amen? Because Jesus was passing by. And I want to say this, in this man's life and in your life and in my life, that God gives us an opportunity to deal with the issues in our lives. He meets us, doesn't he? He reveals himself to us. He comes to us. And here he was sitting by the road and he hears that Jesus is coming by. This represents an opportunity. And we have opportunities to draw near to God, to hear his voice. It's kind of interesting. Jesus went through many cities. And it says he often wanted to go to this city. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've wanted to gather you as a hen would gather her chicks. But you were not willing And so opportunity has to be bound together with a willingness on our parts. And so the question is, are you willing? And so Bartimaeus seizes onto this and he cries out with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So hope was in the air. And what does he do? He cries out. Now, this is a universal cry. It's representative of every one of us. And a couple things I want us to see about this cry. First of all, he was very vulnerable, wasn't he? What did the people start doing? Be quiet. He called attention to himself by crying out. What do we do when we have a limitation? 
when we have a weakness, we want to hide it. We do not want people to know how and where we're struggling, what we're struggling with, how painful that struggle is, how disappointing that situation is, how much we're hurting inside, and we, we cover that up. Bartimaeus didn't do that. He cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he was vulnerable, and he called out. He called attention to his weakness. Second thing, and I kind of touched on this, it was socially unacceptable. What Zacchaeus, or Bartimaeus was doing was socially unacceptable. People yell at him and say, hey, be quiet. And, you know, maybe it might be socially unacceptable for us sometimes to be vulnerable and to cry out. After all, you know, we're the rough and tough Americans, right? Or, or better, yeah, we're the Navy SEALs, okay? I mean, we're the, we're the Marines of the Marines, okay? We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We accomplish the mission. But you know what? All inside, we're just broken people. And we need someone who will love on us, who will heal us, and who will minister to us. So he did something that was socially unacceptable. The third thing we see about his cry is that it was persistent. He didn't just cry once. They told him, be quiet, and he kept shouting out. You know, if we don't get help for our problem the first time, and then we go on to live with it, and it becomes a way of life. It becomes this friend that we take with us everywhere we go. It becomes this monkey on our back that maybe we're ashamed of, that we hide from, and we decide that we're going to coexist with this. And you know, Bartimaeus, he didn't do that. He kept crying out because he knew that this was his chance. He heard about Jesus, and he knew this was his chance to get deliverance, to be healed. And so he was desperate, and he was persistent. And the last thing we see, it was born in desperation. Last chance. You know, sometimes it's not until we actually get desperate in lives that we know we're serious about our lives. And it kind of communicates to God that we're serious about our lives, that we really want to grow, that we really want to get beyond this problem. We want to get beyond this situation that defines our lives, even if it's in our own minds. And so this is a universal picture of each one of us all the way down through the centuries. And so God wants us to cry out to him. Another thing I'd like us to notice about this is this cry, notice, notice that many kept telling him in verse 48, sternly yelling at him to be quiet, and he kept crying out all the more. And uh, it goes on to say, it's kind of interesting, Jesus is walking along and he stops. And you just got to put yourself there. They're all in this room, and the white elephant in the room is Bartimaeus. Everybody sees and here's Bartimaeus, right? He's the white elephant in the room. Jesus doesn't say, hey, what's that sound? Who's that person? What's that commotion back there in the back row? No, he knows immediately what's going on. Everybody else knows immediately what's going on. And so what do we see is Bartimaeus' need caused him to become the center of attention. You know, when we have needs in our lives, we're screaming out for attention. And sometimes we're screaming out in all the wrong ways, right? If you're a guy, maybe you're just trying to be macho, right? Maybe you're just trying to be, you know, maybe if, if, if you're a lady, you're trying to be pretty, you're, you're, you know, 
People are dressing immorally, immodestly. People are, you know, tattooing their bodies in so many ways, in so many places. The world is just crying out to be recognized, to be noticed. We're driving the biggest cars, the monster trucks, the coolest cars. I mean, how many ways do we want to cry out to be noticed? Why? Because we have a need in our lives. And I'm not against cool cars. Trust me. I love them. (laughs) Uh, I'm not against monster tires either or cool music or, you know, nice clothes or, you know, any of that. But sometimes when we try to become the center of attention... It's because we have serious needs in our lives. And let's look around the world at us and see all the ways people are trying to become the center of attention. And let us realize as brothers and sisters in Christ that these people have needs in their heart that are not being met. Needs for love. Needs for affirmation. Needs to be recognized. Needs to be healed. Needs to know the Savior. Amen? And to be delivered from sin. A couple more points. So they're going along the road And all of a sudden, Jesus says this, call him here. Call him here. And of course, that's the opportunity. And God comes to us in our lives. And he says, I want to work in your life. I want to move in your life. Are you willing to hand this over to me? Are you willing to trust me with this monkey on your back, with this infirmity, with this weakness, with this very delicate sore that you're dealing with. Hey, I've got them in my life. Jesus comes along and presents an opportunity. And here it is, folks. We have a decision to make. Bartimaeus had a decision to make. What's he going to do? We have a decision to make. Well, let's see what Bartimaeus, let's see what Bartimaeus does. He jumps up, he casts aside his cloak, and he runs to Jesus. What a great picture of humanity. He cries out, the Lord answers him, and he runs to Jesus. Are you going to run to Jesus, or are you going to live in denial? Are you going to keep hiding the issues that you're dealing with? Are you going to try to be bigger and better and tougher and stronger? Are you going to allow the defense mechanisms that we prop ourselves up with? Are we going to humble ourselves and become like a child? And come to the Lord Jesus. When God moves in our lives, we have a choice to make. Then God does a very interesting thing. Jesus says here, when Bartimaeus comes to him, and this is is such a slap in the face, he says this, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that just so characteristic of Jesus? So key with asking questions. And Jesus is giving Bartimaeus a chance to verbalize his need. Here's my need. This is what I need. This is the issue I'm facing. This is what I'm dealing with. And I'm bringing it to you. The Bible says with our mouth, we confess. Do you know what it means to confess? It means to agree with God about the nature of a thing. We are saying the same thing as God. The Greek word, hamalageo, to say the same thing as God says about this situation. We're saying, Lord, I'm agreeing with you about this situation. I need your help in this situation. I'm helpless to this situation. I feel hopeless in this situation. I feel frustrated in this situation. Lord, I need your help in this situation. He gives us an opportunity to verbalize that need. God designed that we do that. 
The Bible says with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. God wants us to use our mouth. He wants to tell us. The Bible says call upon the Lord in the time when he may be heard. And so the Lord wants us to do that. He gives us a chance to verbalize our needs. You know, there's a decision. In response to God's call, there's a decision that needs to be made. I'm going to give you two illustrations quickly. Peter was in the boat. They were afraid. They saw Jesus coming at night. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And the Lord said, come. Pretty basic. At that point, Peter had a decision to make. Am I going to go or am I going to stay? This is a universal way of God. He comes to us. He reveals himself to us. And he bids us to come. Do you imagine being Peter? I'd be doing one of these. What's it like out there, man? Is this really going to work? And he gets out of the boat. What does he do? He heard the master call, didn't he? He got out of the boat in obedience, like Bartimaeus, and he began to move toward Jesus. And then the text says this, but when he saw the wind and the waves, right? And so what do we see? We are seeing here competing voices for our decision. There are competing voices for our decision. In the crowds in Bartimaeus, what were they saying? You be quiet. You go over there. You stay back in the corner. Don't think that you can come out here and find help and healing and hope. That's not for you, right? There's always competing voices in our spirit, in our mind, and in our world to keep us from coming to the Savior. Whether it's for salvation, to be saved, whether it's for salvation, whether it's for deliverance, whether it's for help in our marriages, help with a troubled son or daughter, whatever the case may be, there's always competing voices. And we need to be those who listen, not to the wind and the waves, but to listen to God's voice. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you're not dealing with anything. Maybe you're just enjoying the Lord's presence in your life, and that's awesome. But God is working in all of our lives. He's working in the lives of of those around us. Maybe this message isn't directly for you today, but maybe you're going to meet somebody this week who God wants to knock on their door and God wants to call them. Hope was in the air in Jericho that day because Jesus was passing through. And one week from here on this date, Jesus would be hanging on the cross. And the hope of healing for many of those people would be over. Our opportunities are not unlimited. God knocks on our door, and he gives us an opportunity to respond. We have an opportunity to respond to him today. If God has spoken to you today, I'm going to encourage you to respond. I don't know what that means. That's between you and the Lord. I really don't know. I'm going to ask Pastor to come up here and close. And, um, but maybe there's some people around you this week who need to know that, who God is working in their lives. So... Uh, Pastor, come on up and uh, lead us in a prayer, close, uh, invite people to pray, whatever you feel led to do at this point, and uh, maybe Jesse can come and play, uh, play a song. I know we're going to have a baptism yet today. Uh, yeah, we're going to put off the baptism. Let's do this. Because of time, would you bow your head? Just everyone bow your head.